Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Lock and Key Unlocked, a podcast about Netflix's Lock and Key and the comic books by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. And our lives. Yes, I, I threw the comic books under the bus last episode. I got to be honest because I was like, yeah, TV all the time. Got to apologize about that. The comic books are good. I know the fans, the uh, the Fandlers, the Adam Sandler fans have been really be, mm. been on me about that since the last episode. So good. I did want to publicly apologize about that. Good. Publicly. Wow. What a statement. Yeah, no problem. So we're going to Cancel talk- culture strikes again. <laughs> yeah, I got canceled. It was very weird. Very weird. Not a good it's look. It's great to have you back. What? Yeah. How must that have been to be canceled for almost 24 hours? Oh, my God. Since we last taped the last episode? Uh, pretty exactly. bad, man. I had some soup. I had a, I had a bar. It was pretty bad. Hey, hey, this is a fun bit. Let's get into the show. Oh, right. Pete has to get out of here. So <laughs> let's jump into it. We're going to be talking about the third episode of the first season of Netflix's Lock and Key Head Games. Head Games. This is written by Meredith Averill, who's one of the executive producers on the series. She helped redevelop it for Netflix with Carlton Cuse and Joe Hill and Aaron Eli Collette. And it's directed by Tim Southam. We mentioned this the last episode, but they directed stuff in blocks. So you'll see Tim Southam's name come up in the next episode as well. Before we get into it, the briefest bit of recap, the Locke family has moved to the town of Matheson, Massachusetts, to their father, Rendell Locke's ancestral home of Key House. He was murdered before they got there by a kid named Sam Lesser. Uh, And as they have explored the house, they've discovered a couple of magical keys that are hanging around, as well as a weird woman who lives in the well who wants those magical keys. She is weird. She's a bit of a weirdo. I would say... She's a weirdo. There's a lot of normal people that live in Wells. She's not one of them. There exactly. is not normal people that lives in Wells. Timmy, be, the from Lassie. Yeah, don't be, uh, don't be Wellist, Pete. Wow. Yeah, yeah we well. have a lot of well-based listeners, Pete, and you're disenfranchising them. <laughs> we broadcast. Games. We broadcast directly to Wells and only to Wells. Uh, so uh, to all our Wellists out there, H. I hope G. you're doing. Wells. I hope you're yeah, doing our live show is just us shouting down a well <laughs> and making wishes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just a couple of characters to mention. There's Kinsey Locke, uh, who's the middle child. Bodie Locke, who's the younger child. She's discovered most of the keys. Tyler Locke, the oldest kid who has a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And Nina Locke, Rendell's wife, who has uh, she's been struggling with some stuff, but she's also found out some things about her husband that she didn't know before about his history yeah. with Matheson, Massachusetts. And that's something that we explore more going to this episode. Big thing that we leave off with is that Bodhi discovered the head key, which makes a meaty thwack when you stick it in the back of your neck. Gross. Oh, I got to say, since Justin pointed that out, that has ruined yeah. it for me. Every time I hear it now, I'm like, oh, God, it's so it's creepy. Gross. It's yeah. so gross. I'll tell yeah. you what, I've been walking around sticking my keys into pieces of meat uh, because I've been so enamored by that sound. 
Oh, yeah. Justin, you uh, really ruined that for me. Well, I didn't try to ruin it for you. I was just observing it and acting like a, a true television journalist, like that I am, and <laughs> noticed a gross sound. Yeah. So Bodie figured out you could stick it in the back of your neck. You go slack. Another version of you shows up somewhere else. And when we left, left off, Tyler and Kinsey were in Bodie's room. Bodie popped out of a trunk and said, hey, come in here, guys. It's really cool. And Tyler said, what the? And then got cut off. Now, oh, Alex, your prediction was proved false. It was proved yeah. false. And Pete, I know you're pretty pissed when things don't pick up exactly where they left exactly off. Exactly where they Were left off. Were you pretty pissed off that Tyler didn't say fuck right at the top yeah. of this episode? Well, what's nice is I yelled fuck and then hit play on this episode. So <laughs> That's how you start every uh, TV viewing, though, right? <laughs> yeah, and of. movie. You're definitely the Tyler of this podcast. Wow. Thanks, That's fucked Thanks. up for me to well, hear. Because yeah. you're Justin Tyler. That's 100% right. I'm Justin Tyler Locke. Yeah, but you know, Justin, when I'm punching somebody, I go to another place and it's kind of scary, so. That's true. Oh, you're like the bad Locke. (laughs) You're the pre-hero Locke. So let's get into it. It does, other than that missing fuck, jump right into things where we left off with Kinsey, Tyler, and Bodie. Real quick, Alex, the missing fuck. What a, (laughs) put that, write that down. That's a great softcore pornography Somebody write that down. Yeah. Oh God! Yeah. I know I I know I fucked last night, but where'd it go? Yeah, I'll <laughs> find it over the next erotic hour and a half. <laughs> oh my God! Anyway, back to this children's show. So Kinsey, Tyler, and Bodie go into <laughs> Bodie's head. Children's show? I mean, it basically is. Uh, I mean, we're talking about kids right now. They go into Bodie's head, and Bodie's head has a, is a big game room. Uh, let's. Stop right here because we did talk a little bit at the last episode about the differences between the comic book and the show, and we're going to try very hard not to spoil the comic book, even though I am unequivocally very bad about that. But the way that it's depicted in the comic and on the show are very different, and we get to see two of the heads in this episode. We get to see Bodie's head, which is a game room. We get to see Kinsey's head later on, which is a shopping mall. A crazy th- mall. Crazy not mall. just a regular mall. What do you mall. think about this take Versus what they did in the comic. What's your feeling on it? I like it. Um, I think, and I said this last time, but it really reminds me of like old, like 80s sci-fi, specifically original Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. where they just sort of like, they put you in, they make strong choices and just are like, this is what it is. So they they don't have to go out of the way to explain it. It's just like, yeah, hers is like an MC Escher mall. Um, Mm -hmm. His is just like uh, a tiny little like uh, foot clan from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles headquarters. (laughs) Yeah. So and I I don't mind. I don't mind that it's not that sort of much smaller collection of uh, items from their heads and that it's more expansive and more of a a thing they have to journey through. What about you, Pete? I I mean, I I thought it was a fun choice because what's, you know, obviously the double uh, spread page of. You know, the art, Gabriel Rodriguez's art is unbelievable in the book. Um, But what's nice about the show is we get to see how each people, each person's head is different. Like we got to see a toy chest and then a creepy mall. So it's exciting to see the artistic choices they're making within that. That's a nice little added bonus. Um, But 
the magic of like the art kind of like popping at you like that. I think we lost that a little bit and you were talking about that a little bit on last episode, but I was still very happy with Mm -hmm. the inside of the heads and especially Kinsey's and how well organized it is and stuff like that. Those were fun choices. And to me, it's a perfect like uh, translation of the medium. Like if they tried to do just a super packed in little like, Uh, almost like glass menagerie of what their head was. I don't think it would be impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, This way it it expands it out and uh, it still does serves the same purpose and a a thing that works. I was thinking a little bit about what you were saying, Justin, since we taped the last episode and I, I agree. I appreciate that what they're doing on the show is there. And obviously we're going to get to a big contradiction of this in a second, but they're not really (laughs) using computer generated effects. Most of it is filmed in the camera and they help flesh things out a little bit. Uh, For my day job, I talked to Michael Morris, the director of the first two episodes, and I was so surprised to learn that they mostly shot that mirror sequence in camera. Like they used computers a little bit to flesh it out, but they actually took two whole sound stages, wrap them in black sheets and set up the mirrors that way so that they could actually capture as much as possible. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, and the reason I bring this up now is I think that's the same sort of thing that leads to this choice to have these head rooms or head locations that you can actually go into is like you're saying, Justin, it's something you could actually show and actually shoot. And the actors can actually react to versus creating it entirely in a computer and having them to react to something that they're not necessarily seeing. It feels like this show is sort of a fan, uh, one big fan of the old school way of doing things. Obviously they had sex machines. We talked about last episode, (laughs) Uh, and honoring old school horror, old school sci-fi stories, yep. fantasy. So it makes sense that they would go this way. And I, I like yeah. that. Stop trying to sneak your puke story in there, Justin. We're <laughs> but, never uh, getting to it. Never getting so to it. So what we did was, is we squeezed it. No, no, we don't it. have time. No, we don't no, have time. Okay. Pete has to get but out of here. What's funny was, Bodhi was like, Bodhi's like, welcome to my head, which I thought was a really... Uh, Bodhi, fun, enjoyable moment. So yeah, what we get here, which I also really like quite a bit about this episode, is the strong thematic uh, theme, the thematic plot that's going throughout, where they immediately jump into memories. Of course, you're going to do that with the head, but they set up here, Bodhi has a memory of Rendell telling him a story about a sea monster, and we get to see the different ways each of the three kids remember the story, and it reflects on their own characters, reflects on the relationship with their father, and it really brings a sense of unity to this episode, which I know I'm probably going to say the same thing ten times in a row, but Netflix series often are aiming for, oh, we're just doing a ten-hour movie, and this really does feel like they're going for an episodic structure, and I appreciate that so much. And I agree. Also, Go ahead, Pete. Uh, I was just going to say, we got to see the sea monster a little bit in the last episode in the kind of B-horror movie thing. And it was nice to get that kind of story uh, throughout the episode. It was nice that they didn't let that kind of go away, that they explored it. Oh, interesting. That actually didn't occur to me that maybe that was the same sea monster, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought, too. I thought for sure he was going to say lobster monster. Um mm-hmm. But I I agree. I love this as a structure, and I thought it was a great way to use something that seems small to actually give us a lot of information about each of the lock kids and especially how Rendell was as a father and what he was struggling with in his own way. Like it was just a great use of time to give us so much character info. And it's 
Also, I'm sure you guys know this as parents, but, you know, showed a lot of his parenting technique where he adjusted to his audience. He told the same story differently to three different kids because they are at different stages of their life. And he thought maybe, you know, it wouldn't be good to tell them the real story, depending on which kid he was in front of. Yeah, that's and, fine, but I'm I just tell all my kids fucked up lullabies. <laughs> smart. It's smart. I read my children the original Grimm's fairy tales and make them even darker. Yeah. Wow. Add your own details. <laughs> uh so it wasn't another... a gingerbread house, it was a human skin house. <laughs> oh. Whoa, Alex. Yo. Uh, Gretel and Hansel now in theaters. So uh there's a fun little detail here where uh, they're telling the story and then it just cuts off. And I believe it's Tyler's like, wait, what happened? And Bodie yeah. says, oh, I must have fallen asleep. Across the board, Jackson Robert Scott's delivery on everything is so good, so perfect as Bodie just taking absolutely everything in stride. Uh, and then we also get another detail here, which I wanted to ask you a question about because this is, again, a difference between the comic and the TV shows, is Bodie then lays some information on them. He explains how he finds the keys based on the whispering of the keys. Yep. And he says, I can't really understand the whispering, um, but, you know, that's how I find them. Do you think there's a way, can you understand the whispering in the show? Do you think that's eventually going to be a reveal somewhere down the road? I, I doubt it. I think it's the language... Uh I think it's a language from a different tongue, if that makes Are sense. Are you saying I, that, like, if we turn the, if there was a way to turn the whispering up, they might be saying something like, the ghost key, the ghost key. Yeah, maybe. The ghost key. Yeah, or like, keys, keys go in locks. That's how it all works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watch, Don't lose watch me. Watch Lock and Key now on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be, that's I a great I feel like marketing. that'd be a weird ad. We're already watching Lock and Key. Yeah, now you got to always be marketing. Yeah. Exactly. Check out the original graphic novels. Uh, and we also get a couple of other things laid out. Tyler, at this point, explains, no, these keys are too dangerous. We don't know how they work. Uh, Bodhi it tells them about the well lady. He fesses up oh, about that. Well I appreciated the fact that we weren't sitting on that lie or yeah. lie by a mission was, too long. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like how all of the kids know about the same amount um, of information. Uh, and then Nina's off to the side who has, she is also has information just totally different. It's yeah. just odd to me that they aren't really on Bodhi more as the sort of superpower. He has the superpower here. And then, well, but he's speaking, a little kid, right? Like he's a little older in this adaptation, but in the books he's six years old. So being like, we're going to follow the six year old wherever he goes and listen to him. Doesn't seem like it's in Tyler and Kinsey's character to me. Yeah, I guess. Just, I think he's proven on multiple occasions in these <laughs> sure. three episodes that he's got the fucking goods. Yeah, he knows the shit. It would have been nice if they were like, oh, well, lady, that sounds dangerous. I'll Maybe take a break from my seriously. teen drama to follow this magic child in his key collection. Yeah, yeah, he even knows how to name them. There's a fun little bit where I think it's Kinsey calls it the brain key. And she, yeah. he says, no, it's the head key. Just head definitive. key, yeah. Head key. Great. Yeah. Very funny. Uh, Then we cut over to Echo, the lady in the well. She's eating a bunch of donuts. Well, lady. Uh, She's eating a bunch of donuts. Uh, She uses the Anywhere key to go to a burnt out house. 
And it turns out it's the house from the first episode. Yes. Oh, man. That exploded. So love looping back to that. She opens up a safe and she drops an important piece of information. This might fly by people, but you guys and anybody who's read the book know she refers to the guy who owned the house as Marky Mark, which, of course, is Mark Wahlberg, the the owner of Wahlburgers. Uh, And it turns out that he was hiding out in that house and exploded. Mark yeah. Wahlberg's going to finally get his chance to stop um, 9-11 here in this <laughs> Jesus. show. Jesus Christ. Are you serious right now? He said it. Not he, me. It's not him. He did not say that. Yes, he, he did. He did say that. He did say that. He Famously, he, he was like, if I was on that plane, I would have stopped that. So I know that's too fucked up to, to really get into, but that's Marky Mark for you. Yes. God in any damn. case, it, it reveals what I think... Uh, I'm curious, uh, you probably guessed for the first episode, uh, there's a character named Mark Cho, who we will find out more about as we go on throughout well, the series. Well, she was also Googling, she was ty- she typed Mark Cho into Oh, did she? Google. Oh, okay. I yeah, she did. She Googled it. And I liked how like bad I she was, was at typing. Cause I was very really focused make- on the donut because it looked delicious, yes. so I mixed the Googling. Yeah. They well, didn't really I, yeah, focus like on the-, the powdered sugar in that moment. Yep. I really like the way she was typing because it's like, yeah, a wall lady wouldn't know much keyboarding skills. So the fact that she was like sloppily typing his name and then figured it out was pretty Wait cool. a second, Pete. If well ladies aren't good at typing, do you feel like our strategy of podcasting directly into wells, is that a bad idea maybe? That's a horrible idea. Nobody's oh hearing Oh, my God. This. What have we been we're doing? Not, uh, we're not getting the comments we need from the no, no keyboard well ladies. <laughs> uh, so then a pretty fucked up thing happens where three kids enter. One of them has the flame key that Mark used in the first episode. Uh, she says, hey, I'll show you mine if I show you, you show me yours. Uh, shows him the anywhere key, opens it up onto a subway platform, takes the flame key and throws the kid in front of a subway train and scares the other two kids Oof. away. That's brutal. F- horrifying. Yeah. Especially like casual City, horror like this, I think is it's so much hits you so much harder. Right. And just casually killing a kid as well. Uh, that's pretty effed up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what do we think if you had to guess right now? I mean, Alex, maybe you, you sure. This is I'll recuse myself from this. Probably. Uh, but what do we think the opening sequence is based on the fact that we know it's Mark Cho now? Like, why did he shove the flame key into his body and presumably die? Um, and now the flame key has just been found by Echo. I think it's it's just that Mark was the last of the funky bunch and knew the powers <laughs> of the key and the fact that the well lady was coming for him. So he blew it all up. So that she couldn't have the map of the house and know where the keys are and that kind of stuff. Uh, interesting. I'm just, I wonder, like, who is the woman on the phone? I feel like maybe we don't know the full extent of the flame key. Like, maybe it has doesn't just kill you. Maybe there's something more to it. Um, and because Mark Cho might not be fully dead. Hmm. Oh, no, man. That was my first thought. He did. He did explode. Yeah, a lot. Well, but there's other ways of existing. As we 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 met an an echo. So the flame yeah. key. We also meet a ghost later on in the episode. So there is yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So you can just live as fire once you use the flame key. Is what you're saying? Oh, imagine living as fire. <laughs> I live as fire every day, baby. Yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. I'm going to burn through this podcast. All right. Uh, speaking of which, let's keep going here. Uh, we go over to Kinsey's storyline. There's a character named Scott, uh, who we've met previously. He is awful sweet on Kinsey. And this oh. is... I think this is the most aggressive he's been so far. We've talked about how he's been sweet and supportive of Kinsey. Yeah. But he has tickets to go see not uh, Pale Horses, but a cover band. Cover band of horses. Cover band of horses. Yeah, uh, and he hands funny. her the tickets. And he's like, come see this with me. And she's like, what is your date? She kind of shuts down. And he's like, well, let me take those tickets back. And if you want to go, you got to come with me. Which yeah. that's uh, that felt a little aggressive to me. I got to be honest. Well no, well, no, he was super sweet, and then he was like, you know, no press. We could just it would just be like a hang, you know, no, no, and she's like, maybe, and he was like, Good, maybe it's good. And he's just waiting for her outside. It's not like he stalked her or anything like that, you know? Yeah, I was fine with this too, because it did feel like he was like, Oh yeah, just come meet me. And he's like he's putting himself way out there to be like, I wanna go with you, I will stand outside. With two tickets, not inviting anybody else, and hopefully he'll just show up. Right. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, I think he just didn't want her to take the tickets and then go with somebody else. Yeah, I guess, which is fair. But I don't know. It felt like he handed them to her and then he took it back, which I didn't like. Just give her the tickets or don't give her the tickets. You know what I'm saying? She didn't say no backsies. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Ooh, she should have said no backsies. Well, he should have bought tickets for everybody then, Alex, I guess. Yeah, for the whole school. Yeah, I wish Joe Ridgway came up and was like, "Do you have tickets for everybody?" And he's like, "No, sir." And he's like, "Well, go buy tickets for everybody." That would have been a better scene. I love Scott's um, list of uh, great cover band names that he drops into. Super fun. The Novemberists. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Then we go over to Tyler. He's playing hockey. Uh, We get the whole cast, whole town has come out to watch this hockey game. Uh, His family there, Ellie Whedon is there. She's restriking up her friendship with Nina. Um, Bodie, I believe, goes to run to sit with Rufus. Uh, And then Kinsey kind of creeps on Eden and Jackie, and they ultimately uh, invite her to come and sit with them, which is very nice. Logan is there as well, just chomping down on popcorn, I believe. Yeah, Logan. Everybody having a good time. Yeah, I liked the um, good cop, bad cop of Mean Girl, Nice Girl that is played here with Kinsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really setting up uh, Jackie to be an ongoing character here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I like them quite a bit. Like, I even, I like Eden, the mean girl. She's fun, and uh, you get the sense that because Jackie is friends with her, there's probably a little more to her, you know, in yeah. these scenes. Yeah. Uh, in any case, the only person who's not having a good time is Tyler, uh, who is pissed because he not only lost the game, but sat on the bench the entire time. And as soon as a dude comes up and starts hitting on Kinsey, Tyler beats the crap out of him. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, but that was because, you know, it was pointed out that that guy was a super douche. So he was being overly protective. I mean, yeah. what Tyler is dealing with throughout this episode is... His aggression is just getting ramped up. He is getting more antsy and uncomfortable about his role in his father's death or presumed role in his father's death, as we find out very quickly. Uh, Just like when he hooked up with Eden, he pictures Sam Lesser's face when he's beating up the guy. I love how they're teasing out Sam in this way. I think that's so smart. Super um, creepy. Yeah, it's the the way they're able to keep Sam Lester as the villain without ever he hasn't done anything. He just keeps flashing into the kids' heads while they're trying to deal with everything is really well done. 
Well, and we also had the first episode ended with Sam meeting the lady in the well, which is obviously a huge deal. And now here we are three episodes in and we haven't looped back to that yet. So it's just building up that tension there very well. And we get a big illumination about that, about what's going on in the background when Joe and Nina talk about Tyler uh, and he flashes back to hanging outside his dad's guidance counselor room uh, and Mm -hmm. Sam is there and they talk and they have this conversation. It's right out of the book. This is exactly how it happens in the comic book, pretty much uh, where Sam is like, sometimes I feel like I'd like to kill my dad. And Tyler says, well, if you ever do kill mine too. Uh, Just heartbreaking. And it really puts a fine point on why Tyler is so fucked up. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I like that they waited this long to get to it. Yeah. Uh, And And then then we have have a fun part with uh, Tyler and Logan. And he's like, what's with the shorts? And he's like, what do you think? My legs are cold. That was pretty funny. (laughs) Very fun. (laughs) Logan's great. Logan's Logan's a great character. Yeah. Um, Uh, I want want to say one thing about the way a smart thing they've done in relation to the comics. In the comics, uh, Tyler has sort of his friends and his like relationships. And Kinsey has her discrete separate relationships. And in this, because they've sort of they're closer in age. They are in the same pool, like mm-hmm. uh, Kinsey's friends with the same girl that Tyler is interested in. And I think that's a smart choice that keeps it all at one. They're much close. Tyler and Kinsey are much closer together than the comic here. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like how they're playing with the closeness of the relationship. Uh, yeah. So then uh, he, Kinsey is drawing. Uh, she almost agrees to go with Scott, but she's clearly scared about something. We find out exactly what that is in a little bit. Um, Tyler is mopping up the entire house and Kinsey reveals, okay, you know what? I want to go into my own head. Uh, and they do. And it turns out, as we mentioned earlier, it's a ball. There's a very funny line when they walk in where Kinsey says, Bodie got an arcade and I got a weird ass ball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if I pointed this out, but there's a weird meat sound when the dude, key goes stop. into her it neck. It's so gross. I found it to be gross. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about Kinsey's head being a ball? That was kind of I, surprising to me. I, I think it's fun. I mean, as a kid, like, if you grow up around a mall, it really becomes the epicenter for a lot of different things. Um, also liked how everything, the stores are the memories. That was a really fun, creative choice and everything's very well organized, which says a lot about Kinsey. So I don't know. I thought it was a fun kind of choice. Um, I think it's uh, fine. It does feel off character for her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't seem like a mall rat. Yeah. Um, also malls barely exist anymore. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I understand why they, uh, I'm with you on this, Justin. I understand the way they used it visually. I'm fine with it. But they came from Seattle in this, or is it yes. is Seattle in the books at San Francisco? No, it's Seattle. Seattle. It's Seattle here because okay, they talk yeah. about going up to the space. Like I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't think there's necessarily that feels like a California around the '80s type mall to me. Yeah, no which, way, dude. What would? What it's would like a strange. It's like the mall from Stranger Things this yeah. season. Uh, which is fine. Like, again, it leads to a lot of fun visuals. We don't know a lot about Kinsey's life pre-Matheson necessarily. So maybe she was that sort of kid and changed. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I agree. I don't know what else it would have been, but that felt like slightly the wrong choice to me. Yeah, I mean, it makes it seems like she's uh, she's an artist. She's into that. To do something related to art felt like on the mm-hmm. nose. I mean, it could have been like a museum maybe. 
but that feels a little too old. Like I think this was uh, the closest you get to like a young person's uh, building. <laughs> what would you guys? What would your thing be if someone put a head key in the back of your neck? Oh, great question, Pete. Ooh. I'd probably uh, say a pizza place. Wow! Really? Yeah, like you're food. crazy about pizza. I love pizza. <laughs> I don't know. More you? than other people? Uh, no, probably not. I don't know. What uh, we could do it for each other? That might be a little easier. I feel like Pete. Well, wait, would, I want to. I want to go. Can I say what I've, yours would be, Pete? Wait, I want to say what I think it is because I've been. Wait, can I say been, what I think yours is? And we'll see if it matches up what you think your own is. Okay. This is good. I think yours is uh, the Punisher's van filled with weapons. Well, that would be cool, but no, that's not what I was thinking. Oh, okay. What, what, you what's yours? Uh, Castle Grayskull. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Be hard. I don't know if I know much about the inside of Castle Grayskull. Uh, exactly. A lot of trap doors, a lot of secrets. All right. Well, I guess I was wrong about that. Justin, how about uh, for you? I think you would stick the key in the back of your neck and your, uh, you, the inside of your head would be a larger meteor keyhole. That yeah, just would, <laughs> exactly. Oh. Wait, okay. I think Justin's would be like a outdoor uh, theater in the middle of India or something. India? India. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um. <laughs> you know, uh, we should just clarify for those listening to the podcast, we just met each other 28 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> we know nothing about each other. Um, oh, you mean... about? Taking that, what you're saying, Pete, perhaps Shakespeare's Globe Theater in London... <laughs> or maybe a, a water park. Ooh, a water park. A water That'd park is nice. Uh, uh, cool. Should we keep walking through this? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, should we talk about the sort of the the Rendell stories as a whole? Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, because I do think this is where. So we get when Kinsey's head, they go right to Dad's memory, and she gets sort of the finished version of the story that's sort of sweet. And Tyler's like, "Huh, I don't." Uh, that's not how I remember it. Yeah. And then later in the episode, we get Tyler's, the version that Rendell told Tyler, which is all about um, how uh, the pirate uh, or the sailor was uh, had a life of loneliness dealing with the pain of what he'd done. Yeah. And so this, uh, this makes me think it's all about the keys. It's all about Key House and the tragedy that we're learning about uh, via Nina, um, how that unfolded. And it's, Rendell's way of protecting Kinsey, but exposing Tyler to mm-hmm. uh, what's what's coming. Yeah, and also kind of like talking about how Tyler has to kind of like find a way to move past the past because it's he's having these horrible flashbacks to Sam, and it's really tearing him apart. Well, uh, I, I wrote it down somewhere. Uh, I can't find it right now, but in check the f- your notes. Um, thank you. Uh, yeah, but Rendell, the way that Rendell describes it to him is you can't escape your past, right? Like, it's always coming for you. So I think it's not about putting your past behind you so much as facing your past. And yeah. Rendell, whether he That's knows it or not, knows that Tyler is going to have to deal with these keys, but being the keeper of the keys eventually. Um, so... He, to your point, Justin, I think he's training him up here, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then we uh, back in Kinsey's head, uh, they see that memory and she starts jumping around. I love the way, by the way, uh, they make memory work here that like we yeah. get Bodhi's cut off because he fell asleep here. Kinsey starts jumping around through memories and she explains immediately to Tyler 
can you stop thinking about thoughts when they jump through your head? And that's exactly what happens here. They jump back to the night of school. Uh, she briefly sees something that we find out very quickly later on is her fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we jump to the night Sam attacked. And I love the way they did this as well, where they made the table so huge that they could walk under it. Yeah. Very eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but nice. I'm really glad uh, that Tyler got to see that, see what she mm-hmm. went through. That was really powerful. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and she says, I hid like a coward. The fear attacks Tyler. She stabs her fear with a poker. Uh, and they leave the head, and Tyler finds out he is still hurt outside the head. Again, kind of setting the rules of the head key and how it works here. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I was uh, upset that we didn't get into inside Tyler's head. I hope we don't get gypped on that. Well, we do get uh, a great scene and one of my favorite scenes of the episode because it was just so funny and so real. Tyler is hanging out in his bed, listening to some music, scrolling through Jackie's Instagram, and he accidentally likes one of her posts. Yeah. yeah. Just his reaction to that moment was so funny. Yeah, it was yeah. like so panicked, <laughs> you know, in this horror story. Uh, you know, the fact that he freaks out the most at the like was pretty funny. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's what he imagines Rendell's story, as we talked about. Uh, then we cut over to Ellie and Nina having drinks, where we get a reveal of something that hasn't been mentioned in the show, but uh, was pretty clear, if you've been paying attention, that Nina is six years sober right yeah. now. Yeah. She refuses to drink. Uh, Ellie does roll with it, but Nina tells Ellie about some of the scary things that Bodie has been, quote unquote, imagining around the house. Clearly, Ellie knows a lot more than she is letting on here. Yeah, she reacts to the well lady. Yeah, Yeah, the well house. Specifically, which leads to later on, which we'll get to in a moment, but Ellie does go to the well house herself. Uh, Now, then we get a thing. She has a key. What? And Ellie has a key. She did. The well house key. Oh, right. The Wellhouse key. Yes. Okay. Uh, so then uh, we get a big thing that you thought maybe they're going to tease out the whole season, Justin. We I get was it right so here. wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just last episode, I was like, this is it. This is what the season is about. Also, this is where I yelled, suck it, Justin, because he found <laughs> it very specifically in a cool place. It was in the painting. And yes. in fact, it is the ghost key. Uh, and I'll kind of speed through here and then we can talk about the ghost key and everything that it means. Uh, but real quick, let me just say, like, I agree it was a cool place. But again, it wasn't a place that was about the key. It was just an interesting p- location. Yeah. Fuck you. Well, but it does so, tee up. Uh, so he turns into he goes through the door. Fall, his body falls down. He turns into a ghost. Tyler can't see him. He flies around. He sees the drowning caves again, which we'll get back to much as the show continues. And then he goes to the cemetery and meets Chamberlain Locke, who I believe was the man in the painting. Yes. So that's yep. that connection there, at least. Yeah, but that, it doesn't make logical sense sure. that that Suck key is there f- to see that one ghost. So that's what I'm saying. It feels like better, but still not. We're like, getting there. It's building, you asshole. Well, the thing May- about yeah, the Chamberlain maybe. Lock thing, though, like I understand in essence what you're saying, but he is a real ghost. He's decided to hang around, and he reveals that Rendell yeah. and Duncan used to fly around and explore. So it sort of does make sense to me that if Chamberlain Lock, the ghost, used to hang out with Rendell and Duncan when they were in ghost form, that they put the key there in his painting. Yeah. 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 I don't it's know. Fucking cool. <laughs> it's cool. I guess it's to me. It's very. I would think there would be other ghosts, or uh, unless truly he's the only ghost and he's just chilling. 
then that's then it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But well, I got to oh, think there's other ghosts. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, the other important thing is, as we mentioned, Bodie sees Ellie going into the well house. She asks for Lucas in the well, but nobody answers. We'll kind of leave that be for the moment. Uh, yes. And then Tyler comes looking for Bodie, and you get a pretty scary scene where Tyler finds Bodie's dead body. And then mm. uh, hilariously, thankfully, Bodie comes back, completely scares him. Tyler is terrified. Uh, and then says, th- Gotcha. Gotcha. And this is followed by a sweet, sad moment that really brings everything back together, where he says, I thought I could find dad. Yeah. Such a good punch. Uh, Having sped through that, what did you think about the execution of the ghost key, the look of it? Because as we mentioned earlier, this is obviously a CGI element when they've been doing otherwise very practical effects. Yeah. And I was interested because like in the book, it kind of has like a little bit of a Casper feel. It's not like a scary kind of ghost. And I felt like in the show, they also kind of went out of their way to make it seem like a brighter, friendlier kind of ghost form. It's not as much of a scary ghost as you might think when you say ghosts. Yeah, and it's, I, I like it too. I think it's very, it's very magical. It's like there's yeah. a lot of like almost pixie dust here. Yeah. And I think that's a good choice um, given the way so much of the other stuff we see is very much real world just with like different lights and stuff. And when they're going to lean into something like this, they go full, uh, full magic. It does. It feels as much as I love the look of the book, this feels on par with the tone of the TV series to me, which in the head key stuff specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's great. I mean, it's stylistically consistent, and that's kind of all you could ask. Uh, so over to Kinsey, she's drawn a well, billion— Real quick before you move yeah. off that, I, I just want to say it's so interesting that now that everyone knows about the keys, Tyler knows about the keys, um, and everyone just feels so much more armed with information. Um, and not to always talk about the comic book, but the, the book, the, ki- the kids are always behind informationally. Yeah. And this feels like they're at least on par, and it's more about their characters having to change to make them ready to uh, face down whatever's coming for them. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, over to Kinsey, she's drawing a billion bicycles for her application at art school. Uh, Nina tells her, get out of the house, go out with Scott. She does, starts to walk up to him at the cover band of Horses concert. And then she thinks, she thinks about the head key. She looks, mm-hmm. she's carrying it with her and it makes a different plan. And ultimately her plan to jump ahead a little bit is she goes into her own head in the woods. This to me was the closest to being like straight up horror sequence that we've had in a while in the show, uh, goes in with a knife and a bag. And when she comes out, uh, it ultimately turns out that she has her fear in a bag that she throws into a grave and buries. As she stabs the shit out of that stabs fucking Stabs the shit out of that fear. Uh, and fun little note on that, which I didn't realize, uh, that's not actually Amelia Jones playing both parts. They did get another actress to play the fear. Again, I think so that they could do it practically without having yeah. to double her up or anything like that. That's cool. Yeah. They do a yeah. good job of concealing her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I totally, until I saw this pop up on Twitter, thought it was actually Amelia Jones playing both parts. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the last shot, we'll get back to the other things that happened, but the last shot is uh, the Echo sees her in the woods and walks away, which is pretty ominous. Yeah, I thought this was really well done. Like, to your point, um, it, adding the extra horror stuff here was great. We Since we haven't done a ton of that yet, but there's obviously, like, 
uh, an interest there with all the the kids being so into horror. Like it was great to see it enter the story here. Yeah, but I was a little disappointed. Rookie move, you bury the knife with the fear. That's not good. If that fear comes back to life, it's going to grab that knife and stab you back. You know. I mean, you've buried your fear a bunch of times, right? Yeah, you don't give them weapons. You mm-hmm. know, you yeah. keep the weapons on you. I always I be holding say, a giant knife, right? <laughs> yeah, like, always be knifey. On a basic metaphorical level, it is such a smart, easy, relatively straightforward, but very smart thing to do to have Kinsey literally burying her fear. You yeah. Know? Like, I, I like that. Like, I, I love that sort of thing on TV. I think they do it well done without anybody turning and saying, wow, Kinsey, you're burying your fear. But it's yeah. obvious to the viewer what's happening at the same time. And I also, I also go ahead, Pete. Uh, I was going to change the subject, but oh, well, then real quick, I love how the moment she decides to do it is when her fear is at a peak, when she sees Scott with one T and is about to be like, I'm going to go on this date. And she's like, no, I'm sick of feeling this way. I want to destroy this part of me. And she yeah. runs off. And that kind of ties back to the conversation, sweet conversation, mother-daughter moment, where the mom's like, you could never disappoint, you know, where Kinsey kind of opens up and shares that she's worried she'll ruin things and, you know, isn't feeling very confident with herself. It's interesting that Kinsey is sort of the good kid in the show, when um, in in the comic book it definitely felt like Tyler was. Um, but because everything's a little bit positioned differently, uh, mm-hmm. I actually like her as sort of the good kid that is just yeah. starting to rebel a little bit. It's refreshing and nice. Yeah. Uh, just to finish up here with a couple of other bits that happen in the episode. So Tyler and Bodie end up chatting about the keys post ghost key. They wonder why Rendell never told them about it. Uh, the two things that I wrote down that I thought were interesting were uh, if they had all these keys, they say, then why do you hate this place so much? And then Bodhi says maybe he was scared of the well lady too, which is obviously like a very purposeful piece of information to throw in there. Uh, And then the last big thing that happens is Nina is very idly looking through Rendell's stuff. She looks through an old yearbook and sees an Omega symbol drawn all over two of the pages and flashes back to Sam holding a gun on Rendell, and he has the same symbol tattooed on his wrist. Yeah. Uh, so again, Nina started to put it all together and figure out these things are a lot more connected than she thought. Because, you know, it's it's a, a leap a little bit because, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Rendell Locke was really into the Omega Red comic book back in the day or something. Mm-hmm. It was just drawing mm-hmm. the Omega symbol a lot. Uh, but yeah, when you totally. see the tattoo, that really crystallizes that it's not that. Yeah, if you looked at all the doodles I had in my yearbook, a lot of them would be really big clues to what's going on <laughs> in my life now. <laughs> Definitely good stuff. All right, before we wrap uh, up, wait, real here. quick though, oh, yeah. I want to say I just love how they've given this story to uh, to Nina. Like it's so different from the way the comic did it, and it's it just gives us something new and exciting to follow throughout this whole TV uh, version of the series. Absolutely agree. And now it's time to unlock our key moments. What were our key moments in this episode? Justin, I will go to you first. Oof. Okay. Uh, key moment. I mean, this is, uh, I, I've said this before on this podcast, but Kinsey is um, my favorite character, the way her arc is throughout the whole run of the books. And this is sort of the, the major moment for her where she kills her fear to try to um, get buries her fear to try to become the person she wants to become. So it was great to see that. And I think um, especially the fact that Echo watched her do it, I think it's going to have a lot more uh, far-reaching impact on the story here. Pete, what about you? Key moment? I'm going 
Yeah, so I'm going to, something that it was a key moment for me because it was so different from the book was when Bodhi in ghost form goes to the cemetery, meets his great-great-grandfather and promises that he'll come back. And so that was such a new, refreshing thing from the book. I'm excited to see what that's going to mean and how that relationship is going to develop. And also really talks about how sweet and caring Bodhi is. Why doesn't he invite Chamberlain to come hang at the house? Right. Dude, if when you first meet a guest, it's ba- a ghost. It's baby steps. You know, you can't just invite them over right away. You got to make sure they're cool. Yeah, oh, that's wow. true. See, I, I invite all ghosts over. You should the party, <laughs> should. party ghosts. I also invite in all vampires, just in case. Yeah, got to cover no, your bases. Not, not a good idea. I would say Tyler accidentally liking the Instagram is my key moment, just because that was the funniest <laughs> wow. one. Wow, huge and plot ramifications, there. fellas! Don't be creeping on those Instagrams. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but actually, I think uh, Echo killing that kid for me is the key moment because that uh, really yeah. amps up the stakes was happening. Uh, you know, she choked out Bodhi the last episode, which is a pretty uh, messed up thing to do. But the fact that we know kids can die on this show makes the stakes for the entire Locke family that much higher and really ramps up the danger for everything across the board. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. So with that in mind, if you'd like to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We will chat with you about Lock and Key. Socially, you can follow us at Lock and Key Pod on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more. And uh, we'll be putting up new episodes. Uh, I want to say they're actually all there right now. I think probably like just check wow. them right now. We'll just tape wow. them all at the same time. Tape the next couple of episodes really quickly. Pete, you don't got to go anywhere, right? So we can just keep taping forever. Yeah. That seems like a great thing to do all yeah, the no time problem. in the world. All the time in the world. So just keep checking your phone. Keep refreshing, deleting and downloading episodes over and over again on everybody else's phones. And you'll be good to go. Keep it locked right there. See you at the water park inside my own head. <laughs>